Today on CityCast Chicago. Chicago's live storytelling scene is pretty robust and hella talented. Trust me, that's how CityCast found me. One show close to my heart is Karaoke Storytellers. I host this evening where performers from across the city tell a true personal story and then... The fog starts rolling in, the rock star lights turn on, and the teller performs a karaoke song that embodies their story. The audience is on their feet singing along. It's a whole lot of fun. Come with me inside this musical world and listen to a few snippets from our last live show at Shuba's in Lakeview. It's Friday, June 3rd. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Make some noise, y'all, for Kelly Howard. Make some noise, y'all. So, David. Mm. Let me tell you about David. I love that I could say his name like that. David. White people, y'all would say David. But it was David, because he was Mexican. And I was 19 and in love, oh my God. He treated me so good. And I got home to my mama, right? And I was like, yo, ma, David, I think he the one. I love me some David. And my mama said, I mean, he's nice. But I wouldn't marry him. And she said, well, I would just prefer to marry somebody that looks like me. Damn, Davi, you gotta go. So less than a year later, me and Davi broke up. Fast forward to 2010. I was pregnant on stage, about five months pregnant, yelling, screaming at every couple in the audience because my baby daddy wasn't shit and I wanted everybody to feel what I was feeling. There was this couple in the back, this Asian dude and this black chick. And I was like, where you get him from? The beauty supply store, bitch. Everybody laughed. It was cool. Then after the show, I was selling my DVDs because this is back when we actually sold DVDs. And he came over to the table and was like, yo, you was funny as hell. That was great. He didn't even like feel like I had said some inappropriate racist shit, which I had. But he laughed and could take a joke. And I was like, damn, that's what's up. You should follow me on Facebook. So we became friends on Facebook. And I'm on Facebook and I'm looking through his pictures and looking through his pictures. He appears to be a single dad, not 100% sure. He spends a lot of time with his daughter though. Man, this dude is super cool, right? But I can't fuck with him because he Asian and my mama said, they got to look like you. So here I am, I have the baby. Fast forward, I'm in the hospital. Just had her, probably like not even a week. And uh, my daughter, she was born early. She was born at eight months, not super early, but she was a little sick. And so I was still there and I was on Facebook and um, I saw a picture of some spaghetti that he posted under a folder, real men cook. And I immediately commented, Real women eat. (laughs) 
And he messaged me right after I sent that and said, hey, this is one of my signature spaghetti dishes. I can make you some next time you're up at the comedy club. I can bring it up there. And I'm like, yo, that would be dope, but I don't know when the next time I'll be back. I just had the baby. She's really sick. They're moving her to Riley's Children Hospital next week, and I'll be standing at the Ronald McDonald House. So he said, oh, well, how about I meet you before you head out to Indianapolis and give you a little bit of spaghetti for your road trip. And I said, that's perfect. So we met at the Cracker Barrel. Saturday morning, we met, we talked. It was a great breakfast and we just had so much fun. Like I just felt for the first time at ease in this very hectic situation that I'm in with this sick baby that's now traveling to a new hospital and I just was in school full time. And so this was the first time that I like had let my shoulders down. And he was like, as we were leaving, he said, oh, let me get your spaghetti out the car. And he popped his trunk. And packed inside of this bag was individually wrapped spaghetti. It was the pasta on the bottom and the sauce on the top in the good Tupperware that you can put in the microwave forever. And that shit gonna come out exactly how you put it in the microwave. And then he had individually wrapped breadsticks and some foil with the cutlery and napkins folded perfectly like this shit was a week's worth of gourmet spaghetti. And I was like, oh my God, bro. Like we was like, I just wanna make sure you're in a very difficult space right now and I just wanna make sure that food is one thing you don't have to worry about. And so I drive up to Indianapolis, I'm giddy. I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. I got this guy, he's cool. And we stay on the phone late at night. He drives up to Indianapolis now to see me and the baby. And he brings his daughter and his daughter is eight and my daughter is uh, nine and it's like a perfect union, right? And it's insane, so much is happening. Everything is beautiful. I met this guy in the midst of this trauma and then after all that time, back and forth, hospital visits, my 15-month-old daughter, Heaven, who was once just in my belly when I met him, passes away. And after she passes away, he and I get very serious. I move in with him. My daughter moves in with him. And I start telling myself this narrative that the only reason heaven was born in the first place was so that I can see this man. So that I can open my eyes and my heart to be able to see this man beyond color. And maybe that's just me rationalizing the death of a child, right? Possibly. But at the same time, I have never felt so in tune with who I am as a woman as I do through this man that cares for me and holds me and caresses me and treats me better than I've ever been treated by anybody to include people who look just like me. Me and my husband will be celebrating our 10 year anniversary next year. But this song, to wrap this up, this song I think represents what we share. Um, yeah, yeah, whatever, come on, let's go. <laughs>
I need that because I don't know the words. When your legs don't work like I used to before. I can't sing. And I can't sweep you off of your feet. When your mouth still remember the taste of my love. Will your eyes still smile in the cheeks? Is darling, I will be loving you till we're 70. And maybe my heart could still forever. Yeah, it's 23. Our next performer, I'm so happy to have them, is Fran Feely. Make some noise, y'all. Hey, folks. Um, my name's Fran, and I'm a gay man who was born in 1968. My, my very first crush was on a manga character called Prince Planet. And Prince Planet was in a cartoon series, and he was like Superman. He had a dual identity. So most of the time, he was just a regular Japanese kid. But when the shit went down, he would take a knee, bust out his supersonic pendant, shout, Prince Planet, and then just kick all the evildoers' asses. Yeah, and I like that, I like that. So I was also really stuck on Pinocchio and uh, the cartoon version of Little Michael Jackson because they got to go up on stage and sing and dance. And even then, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. So to review, Prince Planet, boyfriend material. <laughs> Little Michael Jackson and Pinocchio, role models. So the first film that I projected myself into was definitely The Wizard of Oz. I'm wearing a Wizard of Oz tie tonight for that reason. So, thank you. I was really, I was particularly intrigued about the idea of having friends and being projected or transported into a, a different dimension. I was on track to becoming the cowardly lion of South Buffalo and perhaps permanently. No way out, no future. So um, I made a couple of decisions that helped me out of that patch. My brother was a year ahead of me and he went ahead of, he went to high school the year before me and he crossed town to attend the Jesuit high school on uh, the other side of Buffalo called Canisius High School. And so I followed him there. So that was, uh, that was step one. I decided to start introducing myself as Fran instead of Fran Fifth. <laughs> Big difference, right? So step one on my march to popularity was from Francis to Fran. <laughs> step two, I joined the Canisius High School Choir. When I, when I arrived to high school, I was totally, oh, thanks for choirs, yes. <laughs> so I was completely prepubescent. My voice hadn't begun to change, so I was naturally staffed into the alto section. Well, that turned out to be a great advantage because when we had choir practice, the boys would march right into, well, let me rephrase that. The tenors and the baritones <laughs> would march right into the chapel and they would begin to rehearse. And that left me almost a whole hour to hang out in the lobby of the school and greet the girls as they were coming in. And I used that time to cultivate my, the art of making adolescent girls giggle. 
I had five sisters and I could talk to girls. That was no problem. And the older girls, the upperclassmen, the juniors and seniors, they thought that I was cute and they made me their pet and they were so nice to me. And meanwhile, the boys, their view of this was, wow, that guy's got some real savoir faire with the ladies, you know? So what was happening to me was my first blush of popularity. I, like Dorothy, was stepping out of the sepia tones of Kansas and walking into Technicolor. There were a few other steps that I made that were also beneficial. I learned to drink successfully, and I used that. I used that euphoria to bust up my dance moves. I got, I got into the yearbook staff, and I used that my authority to populate the book with, with pictures of my friends, the singers and the actors, right? I did get to dance, uh, uh, dance on stage in the musicals like Pinocchio, but honestly, the, the measure that was the most valuable was training my eye on those very self-assured young men and imitating how they walked and talked and dressed and breathed. That was my march to liberty. So everything wasn't perfect yet. It was the early 80s and I was a closeted gay kid. I didn't have the basic vocabulary to ask the questions that I needed answered. And there was nobody to ask those questions to anyway. So in time, I, I developed a sense of gratitude for my newfound popularity, as well as the freedom that it provided me. So I decided to kind of pay it forward. So for the remainder of high school and right on through college, I identified these guys that had a lot of the right stuff, but needed a little coaching, a little help. So I would intervene and make sure that they got dates for the dance. I'd make sure that they would join this group or get into that initiative, make some strategic introductions and uh, just kind of get them on their way to ease on down their own yellow brick roads. Yeah, I had to eventually come clean about the fact that I dug dudes, and, and I did. And when I did, I segued from being a very popular closet case to a very popular openly gay man. Yeah. And at that point, I, like the cowardly lion, Learn to really roar. Whenever I see someone less fortunate than I, and let's face it, who isn't less fortunate than I? My tender heart tends to start to bleed. And when someone needs a makeover, I simply have to take over. I know, I know exactly what they need and even in your case though it's the toughest case i've yet to face don't worry i'm determined to succeed follow my lead and yes indeed you will The performances you just heard in this episode were from our April show at Shuba's. If you like what you was listening to, join us June 19th at 7 o'clock for Karaoke Storytellers, headlined by the one and only Sherman Dilla Thomas, a.k.a. everybody's favorite historian, Six Figure Dilla. I gotta thank the people behind CityCast Chicago. That's lead producer Carrie Shepard, producer Simone Alisea, newsletter writer Sidney Madden, and all the great folks at headquarters. 
Now y'all know I ain't forget about the people who make the music. That's Sam Thousand, all the kimonos, and Mark Greenberg at the Mayfair Workshop. Of course, my last thank you is for you. If this is your first episode or your first week with CityCast, what took you so long? <laughs> nah, I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. Remember to sign up for our daily newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm. Now, if you've been riding with us since the beginning, I see you. I appreciate you. And I'll talk to all y'all next week. Peace. I think that's decent. What about you? Yeah, I think it was good. What about you? Ah, uh, I thought it was ass. Man.